Hello there, John Cotrillo here, the life coach of your listener. Welcome to another episode. Today I'd like to discuss a topic that's been of significance to me both personally and professionally. And it's an exploration of the phenomenology or the uh, deeper personal experience of uh, mental illness. As per usual, I'll make clear that I'm not a mental health professional and this is not uh, professional advice in any way. If you are experiencing concerns of any kind in your life, please seek professional help. But by uh, exchanging these ideas, I'm hoping to open the discussion to all of us and to learn about the world. Now, I've discussed in previous episodes that often psychological science can be led astray in some ways, in my observations, by acting with reification quite often. That is to say, assuming that the frameworks and the theories that we devise to explain how the mind operates and how mental illness operates directly and objectively reflect the actual functionings and experience of mental illness as a distinct natural phenomenon. In my experience, there are some aspects of mental illness, some aspects of the phenomenology that are less discussed, especially in the media, and today I'd like to discuss those and uh, propose a constructive analysis of, of this particular phenomenology. There's an adage that I've had for some time in response to the claim that mental illness or the symptoms thereof are, so to speak, all in one's head. I counter it with this adage. If you don't believe what happens in the mind is important, take out someone's brain and see how well they function. We often take for granted how much cognitive effort is involved in undertaking our most basic uh, daily tasks and attending to our needs, mostly because a lot of the uh, processes that occur in the brain when we do this are unconscious to us. When we become mentally ill, those processes start to get affected and our daily activity starts to be affected. But a lot of people find it difficult to describe exactly what it is that's happening in the mind uh, when they find that they can't do what they need to do because of mental illness. And I find that it's not an issue that's discussed often. So today I'd like to discuss it both from a, the perspective of somebody who has a mental illness himself, but also from the perspective of um, somebody who has worked with the mentally ill in social services. I'll also make clear that these uh, concepts that I'm about to discuss don't necessarily apply to every mental illness, uh, but they can be applied to a lot of uh, mental illness symptoms. I'll often use symptoms of anxiety, depression, and uh, trauma-related illnesses as examples because these concepts are particularly relevant to those types of illnesses. What's important to understand is that having a mental illness is not just experiencing negative thoughts and feelings that one finds uh, distasteful, uncomfortable, or repulsive. Mental illness often involves a visceral experience. That is to say, it can involve... Uh, physical or quasi-physical sensations throughout the entire body and it can also affect the most basic processes that we need to tend to our basic life needs of which we're usually not aware because they happen so quickly and they happen unconsciously and when we think of mental illness that way we begin to understand that simply changing thoughts as some frameworks propose we should do in order to counteract the symptoms is not a sufficient solution and to conceptualize mental illness as simply negative thoughts and feelings is not sufficient to fully explain the issues that a person with a mental illness experiences on a daily basis. And this is especially uh, important to note in the face of uh, claims that 
people with a mental illness are faking their symptoms. They're simply trying to get attention or simply making excuses and aren't resilient enough against these uncomfortable thoughts. Let me provide you some insight. Let's take depression as an example. It's a, an illness that's often misunderstood as simply feeling sad. When a person experiences severe depression, it often affects what we call their executive functioning, which is a topic that I've referenced in, in, other, in other episodes. And the executive functioning is the operations of the brain that allow a person to conduct their daily tasks and attend to their most basic needs. What we often don't realize is that conducting these basic tasks involves higher thinking abilities and being able to retrieve information from memory and use that information to conduct those tasks, even for tasks that seem incredibly simple. We are actually using information stored in memory and processing it. But it happens so quickly and unconsciously for most of us that we're usually not aware of it. When a person experiences severe depression, what happens is the thoughts that they experience and the feelings that they experience are so intense that engaging with daily tasks and, attempt, and therefore attempting to use those basic cognitive processes becomes uh, painful to them. And if they try to persist in, uh, in spite of that discomfort, it actually affects their ability to retrieve that basic information and use those basic processes to complete even simple tasks. And that in, in itself is such an uncomfortable feeling that sometimes the only way to eliminate that feeling is to stop doing whatever you're doing. To make a comparison, imagine that you touched a stove hot plate that was set to its highest temperature. Your body's reflex would be to pull your hand away immediately because your body is designed to detect stimuli that could potentially indicate a danger to you, in this case, damaging your body, and provide some signal that danger is there and often act without uh, without thought so as to uh, remove yourself from that danger as quickly as possible. Imagine that you tried to keep your hand held to a hot plate at its highest temperature without allowing that reflex to function and in addition to that imagine you tried to concentrate on another task especially one that involved effort without any uh, distraction from the hot plate whatsoever. How successful do you think you'd be? You might say, well, John, that's a completely different matter. The matters are actually closer in, in similarity than you might think. When you feel a physical sensation, the information from the environment are sent via uh, receptors and neurons to the brain, and the brain then converts that information into a physical sensation. Thoughts and feelings function via the brain as well, and... In numerous cases, a person who has a mental illness will also report physical symptoms. So to think of mental illness as simply being imaginary or in the mind, without reference to the real effects, would be effectively to say that the brain doesn't matter. And in reality, this can't be the case. And in addition to that, many of the people with whom I've spoken about their own experiences, and indeed within my own, we're often aware that the thoughts and feelings that we experience in the midst of a, a mental illness episode aren't normal and we know that we don't want them. We may even know that they don't even necessarily reflect reality. We may be able to consciously think to ourselves that we shouldn't be sad because we don't have an objective reason to be sad. But that doesn't negate the feelings and it doesn't negate the real impact that it has on our life. 
So simply turning negative thoughts into positive thoughts or simply uh, explaining uh, these experiences as being all in the mind and ignoring the real nature of them is simply not an effective strategy. And it further stigmatizes people who do experience mental illness. Now, there are many people who may not know of this underlying conceptualization, and so this is why the discussion of these topics is so important. There's also a phenomenon whereby people who are mentally ill themselves but are particularly ashamed of it or don't want to think that these types of negative events could possibly happen to them uh, will deny the existence of their own illness and through that deny the existence of the illness in other people. Let me send a message to you all. If I had have continued to deny that I was ill myself, I wouldn't necessarily be here speaking to you today. I'm glad that I'm here speaking to you. I feel extremely thankful that I'm able to speak to you. Believe the facts about mental illness. Find somebody you trust and seek professional help. I'm not someone to encourage naive positivity. I know how difficult mental illness is and I know just how much it can cause suffering. I'm not here to guarantee what your experiences will be if you seek help or what, uh, what the future holds for you. What I am saying is there's always a chance your life will get better. And imagine how glad you'll be if you get to the end of your life and you took that chance and life did get better and you're able to reflect on that and say, I'm glad that I took that chance because look at what I got to enjoy as a result of it. Thank you for joining me for this episode. As per usual, please seek professional assistance if you need it. I'm hoping that we can open the discussion on this extremely important topic, whether you be a consumer, a practitioner, or any person, please get involved in the discussion. Feel free to write to me or comment below, and take care until next time.